Hey everyone, Mario Barecki here, and I am known as the Conversation Guy. I'm also the founder of MediaMar, and at MediaMar, we help thought leaders craft and distribute conversations that convert. I believe everything starts with a conversation. I believe conversations are the most powerful way to create connections, to create relationships, and to create opportunities with each other. So everything has a basis in conversation. And on this podcast that you're about to listen to, I'm going to have 10-minute conversations with thought leaders to do just that, create relationships, create opportunity, but more importantly, to convey value, value from them and their perspective and how they operate on a daily basis, and to really tell a story that can bring some value and positivity, tips, tricks, ideas, what have you, to your life to make it better. So sit back, relax, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I know those things don't quite go together. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get the conversation started right now. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. I am super excited to have Rachel Richards here with us today. Rachel is so much fun because... She is under 30 years old and already retired. And I love that because I set for myself a a goal back when I was in my early 20s to be retired by the time I was 30. And what I meant by retired, I guess I should qualify, is doing what I choose to do regardless. I, I never really see myself quote unquote retiring and riding off into the sunset. But if I can choose where I allocate my time and what I do with that, I'm very happy with that. And so I love that Rachel is only 27 years old. She's a former financial advisor, and she has made a name for herself in the personal finance realm. In 2019, she quit her job and retired with over $10,000 per month in passive income. She is the best-selling author of Money Honey and Passive Income Aggressive Retirement. She's been featured on The Penny Hoarder and The New York Times and has been contracted to speak at colleges. Rachel is also a real estate investor with 35 rental units, Her valuable money lessons have helped thousands of millennials work their way out of financial despair. She's successfully done what no one has done before, made the topic of money management fun, entertaining, and simple. You can find more about her at moneyhoneyrachel.com. Check out everything she's doing. Connect with her across all her social platforms. And for a free passive income starter kit that she's offering, you can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. So go there, check that out. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hey, Mario. Thanks Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I love your background and everything that, you're, that you've done. And as I said, I set that goal. Then I, I achieved that goal around like 31 where I could just kind of, my business took off and I could do what I wanted to do and have that freedom. And I absolutely love it. I think what you did was a little more interesting though, because you actually built, you know, a passive stream of income. And I think maybe we should start there because I hear a lot of people talk about residual income, residual income, but there is a difference between residual income and passive income, correct? Yeah. So the way I define passive income is that it's money that is earned with little to no ongoing effort. It's no get rich quick scheme. It does take time or money to create. I kind of look at it as if it's in two stages. So stage one, you're investing the time, you're investing the money to get this passive income stream started. And then once you once you've launched it and you have it going, you're in stage two, and that's when it becomes a lot more hands-off. You know, things like rental income, maybe that only takes a few hours a month to manage. Or one of my income streams is my royalty income from my books. I'm spending a couple hours per week marketing it. Some people would say, well, that's not passive. But in my opinion, you know, compared to a 40-hour week job, it's very, very passive. So the whole point is just to enable someone to work when, where, and if they want. 
How do you define work? I I guess the traditional definition is is doing something that generates an income. But I I guess technically I am still working now. Um, but I don't I don't work because I have to anymore. I work because I want to. And it's it's been a lot different now that I've retired because I get to do things that are are pas- I'm passionate about and that are totally fulfilling to me. I think when you're mission driven as opposed to needs driven, it it just changes the game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when you can, if you can separate the your time from the money, that's when things get really exciting. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people get stuck in that trap of because. I, there's nothing wrong with the traditional job, right? The 40-hour work weeks, that kind of thing. If that's your thing and you're happy doing that and you structure your life to be able to do that, that's fantastic. I have nothing against that. To me, though, when I tried to do that, or I, di- I didn't try to do that to do that. I had a job as a chef because I wanted to learn the business inside and out with the intention of opening my own properties. And of course, my life changed as time went on and I learned that. But I found that being in that that structured 40 hour a week, you have to show up, you have to do this, you have to, you know, allocate your time to what they say your schedule was. That wasn't like mission driven for me. That didn't like fulfill my purpose that I wanted to do. And that was a big reason why I pivoted and why I wanted to quote unquote, when I tell people like you probably, you, I'd love to hear your take and what feedback you get from others. When I would say I want to be retired by the time I'm 30, they were like, well, why would you want to be so lazy? And I'm like, that's not what I mean. I just want to be able to choose the things I do and do it for purpose and mission rather than I need to go do this to make money so I can make ends meet. Yeah, 100% agree. I use the terms retirement and financially independent interchangeably. You know, a lot of people retire and especially when they're older, maybe they want to do the beach thing or do the golf thing. And that's great. Like, you know, to each their own. I just get bored really easily and I want to be creating things and building things and having an impact. So that's what my life looks like now. So let's go back a little bit in your story. You have a finance background. And one of the things that I read in your bio that I really like is that you make the topic of money management fun, entertaining, and simple. Now, I'm very fortunate that my best friend in the world ha- is a financial planner. So I have the, the, you know, the, the luxury of being able to trust him not only with my life, but with my money and going, here, go do with this. You know, So I am not very versed in the complexities of different investments and finance, all of those things, just because I haven't had to be. Um, so that being said, I've always found finance books. I've bought some. I've tried to read some. I found them so dry and so boring. How do you make it fun? Yeah, and that's exactly why I wrote the book. You know, all my family and friends were coming to me for financial advice. I was wondering why they weren't learning on their own or reading. And then I, I, I realized, oh yeah, personal finance is boring. Just like you said, it's complex, it's overwhelming. So I was like, well, how can I make this topic fun and sassy and simple? And that's where the idea for the book came. And there's a couple ways I do that. Um, I, I use a lot of just jokes and funny stories. And it's not just dry reading. It's here are personal anecdotes and examples from real life. And I just, I just try to make them fun. I also use a lot of hashtags throughout. So <laughs> I can relate to the millennials and the Gen Z and everything. And most of all, I just try not to take myself too seriously. I still make mistakes. I'm not perfect. And 
people want to know that. They want to see that I'm a relatable and real person. So if I ever mess up, like there was one time last year, and I don't know how this happened, but I almost overdrew my checking account. And so I, I posted in my Facebook group, you got, and I was like, you guys, I'm a finance guru and a former financial advisor, and I almost just overdrew my checking account. And that post went more viral than almost anything else I've posted. But that's what people want to hear. I'm not perfect. And I think, I think if we can just laugh about things, that makes it a lot easier to learn about. What initially attracted you to the finance field? The first memory I have of learning about money was in sixth grade. And I was at the summer camp. All my friends were going down the water slides and playing. And I was sitting at the pool reading this book. And it was called The Motley Fool's Guide for Teens, How to Have More Money Than Your Parents Ever Dreamed Of. And I, yeah, so I was a finance nerd from a pretty young age. I, something about that book really sparked something inside of me and I got excited. I was like, wow, I'm really young. I could really be way ahead of my peers if I take some of this seriously. So I really became an avid reader, you know, throughout middle school and high school, I was just learning everything I could. And then another thing that motivated me is that I grew up in a really wealthy county and my friends were going on lavish trips and people in my high school when they turned 16 were getting brand new BMWs. And I was not going to get a new car. You know, my family was on a budget. We weren't going on trips. We weren't even going out to eat at restaurants. So I had this feeling of just not fitting in. And that's not the way you want to feel in middle school and high school. So I just had this realization at a pretty young age, you know, I don't want to end up like everyone else struggling with money. I don't want to have to borrow money from my family and friends to make it to my, my, my next paycheck. I wanted to be different. And I realized that what I did then would either set me up for wealth or for poverty. So I had this very strong motivation. They say fear is the greatest motivator. And that's really what it is for me. It was this fear of not having enough money, of having to be dependent on somebody else. And I wanted to become wealthy and be able to take care of myself and my loved ones. And that's a great story and a great driving factor. And from what you've done and what you've accomplished when you set your mind to it, now, do you see the people closest to you changing the way they view money and the way that they manage it and kind of following your lead? Yeah, I think I've been able to have a good influence on those around me. And, you know, part of the problem is we're just in a financial education crisis, right? At no point in our lives are we taught how to manage our money. And then we're left as adults to figure it out all on our own. Unfortunately, a lot of people are left with feelings of shame and guilt when it comes to money management, which is unfortunate because we just weren't given the resources that we need. So I've, I think I've been able to have a good influence just in terms of making the topic a lot more approachable. My sister's have really, really good money habits. You know, my parents have turned their finances around. My friends are learning from me. So it's been a lot of fun. Where'd the name Money Honey come from? You know, that's a good question. I think I was just trying to find something that was catchy and that rhymed. And Rich Beep was already (laughs) taken. That rhymed. So I went with Money Honey and it's been very catchy. That's good. I I like it. I like the branding. I like what you're doing. What is one thing you would tell someone who maybe they're sitting there listening to this going, man, I do need to focus on my finances. Like I've been getting by, but I haven't really put much thought into what's in the future beyond the next paycheck or beyond the next paying the next bill. What's one thing that you would tell them to just how they can just get started so they're not just sitting still? 
Yeah, it really starts with a budget. And I used to hate the idea of budgeting. I dreaded it. It was very tedious. But then I just began to think of budgeting as an empowering tool. It really is, think of it as a GPS or a map. It's going to get you from point A to point B. And you have to have that in order to achieve financial freedom. So starting a budget simply starts with tracking your expenses. You have to know where your money is going. I think Dave Ramsey said, a budget is simply telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And that is so true. When my husband and I first started tracking our expenses, we realized we were spending over $900 on food in a month, just groceries, not even eating out. And so that was so embarrassing for me to realize. And you know that's bigger than some people's mortgage payments. So it, trust me, when you start tracking your expenses, it will be very obvious where you can cut back. How much were you eating? You must have lost yeah, a lot of weight too. No, I'm just kidding. My, my husband is six six and he works out a, a ton, yeah. so he I blame it on him. It's, it's his fault, it. right? <laughs> a lot of chicken and rice, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, but I get it. I mean, something like food—it's so easy to let it slip there because it's something we all have to do. But you know, if you're not keeping track, and like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the best example because I used to be a chef and I love food. And the way that I typically grocery shop is I just go and whatever looks good, I buy it. I'm like, oh, I like this. I can make this. Oh, this looks good. I can make that. And I'll just go with it because I like it and it's fun and it's easy to do. But you know, I don't keep as much good track on my food budget as I probably should. So that's that's a great place to probably start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, DoorDash is my vice personally. Like Postmates, ah. anything that enables my laziness, I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to do challenges with my readers and stuff once a month, where it's like, okay, no eating out challenge, no online shopping challenge. Those can be great to do for a week because you then realize how much you're actually spending in some of those categories. Yeah, that's great advice. My issue is, I can when it comes to food, I can spend more money cooking for myself than I would eating out easily. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing for my husband, and and he, you know, he gets really healthy ingredients, yeah. organic food, and that stuff's mm-hmm. expensive. Oh yeah, it is. But I, you know, it's it's a good expense. I think it is. I'm yeah. the same way. Um, and whatever you know, because you have to be careful with what you put in your body. But yeah, I agree. Being more cognizant of where your money is going, I think, is very very important, and it's something that I've embraced over the last year or so. Actually, creating I hate spreadsheets, but I actually <laughs> created a spreadsheet so I can see what's going where and what the totals are and how that like you know, portion that out and all the budget, everything and all that stuff. So I, I love that idea. I think it's a great place to start. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. I want to remind people that they can find you online and everything you're up to at moneyhoneyrachel.com. And also if they go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus, they can get a free passive income starter kit. And they can also grab a copy of your books, Money Honey and your other book, Passive Income Aggressive Retirement from your site as well. Thanks for being here. I can't wait to pick up the conversation on the next episode. All right. Thanks, Mario. Hey, everyone. I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Conversations are what I thrive on. It's something that I believe is so important for each and every one of us to have conversations that matter, to have conversations that connect us, to create relationships with each other. So the conversation that I have with the guests that are on the show, the conversations that the guests and I create to have with you are equally important and a great way for you to have conversations with us is to rate and review the podcast. So if you could go to Apple Podcasts, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review this, it is much appreciated. And you can always find us 
at MediaMario.com. If you go to MediaMario.com, you can find all the things there. If you want to connect with the guests that I had on today or guests that I've had on the show in the past, you can go to MediaMario.com and get their information. If you want to connect with me and have a conversation with me, I welcome that. All my social links everywhere that you can find me all over the web is at MediaMario.com. So go there, visit us, connect with us. I'd love to have conversations with you. I hope you found value in today's show, and I can't wait to bring you the next conversation on the next episode of The Conversation Guy. Until then, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon.